Welcome back to A Degree in Sports, your home for college football and college basketball. My name's Cole, and I'm here alongside my great mate, Jeff Tate. And Jeff, people today in Columbus, especially Ryan Day, are rejoicing as uh, Jim Harbaugh is gone. He is out. Um, The only thing I have to say to that is thank you, Jim. It's funny because I was telling some people today at work and even my dad this, that the ultimate sign of respect for rival uh, sports teams is when that team celebrates the other rivals coach leaving as much as Ohio State is right now and that and Michigan State as well. Um, that's that's a sign of, hey, that coach did what he wanted to do at Michigan. He got Michigan to their end goal of winning a national championship, beating Ohio State three straight years. And I think it's uh, you got to give you got to give credit to that because that's something like Michigan fans, I'm sure now, Cole, when Urban Meyer was not at Ohio State, you probably were pretty happy when that happened. And it's a sign of respect. Like, yeah, I'm thrilled sitting here as a fan of Ohio State and Michigan State that Harbaugh is not the coach because Harbaugh, we Cole and I talked a few episodes ago about like those elite coaches. Harbaugh was, is one of them, and that's why he's so sought after in the NFL. He's won everywhere he goes. It took a little bit at Michigan, but he got them to the ultimate I mean, but even it didn't really take that much at Michigan in terms of like if you think about the previous coaches, he was day one a better coach than all of them, and the teams performed better. So, yeah, it's it's a good day because Arbaugh's out of there. But as a Michigan fan, I think you have a lot of peace with him leaving, coming off a national championship, obviously because that's the highest point he could have gotten. Michigan football too. He did it. His players did it. It's kind of like you kind of get that vibe around the the team that it was. It was like it's not like you're not comparing it to Michael Jordan and the Last Dance and that type of thing. But I think deep down, a lot of those players, like I don't know if JJ McCarthy would ever come out and flat out say it, but you probably had a pretty good feeling Harbaugh was done this year, and so a lot of those guys came back. They wanted to make that run. They accomplished their goal, and kudos to them because that's not an easy goal at all to obtain, winning a national championship, and they did it. But, yep, very glad Harbaugh's gone. It looks like it's obviously going to be Sharon Moore. Um, it, they have that weird seven-day thing in the state of Michigan because they're a public school. They have to have the opening out there seven days, and as long as it stays seven days, then they can officially hire Sharon Moore. But, Cole, I also – Wanted to bring this thought to you. It's I think crucial for Ward Man, Man is it yeah Ward Manual to get those that those football guys in a locker room together, the the current guys, and tell them, hey, I can't publicly come out and say that he's the next head coach, but Sharon Moore is the next head coach, and you guys do what you want with that in terms of the whole transfer things. Insane. We've talked about the last few weeks. Hey, if you enter the portal, like it just starts a chain reaction. And I think a lot of those guys, the number one person they want is Sharon Moore. And so I think it's important for Michigan's administration, AD, all of them to, if it is Sharon Moore, get that to the guys now. And I, to be honest with you, Cole, I think that's already happened. Yeah. It's uh so, so Ward actually met with the team. Um, it came out about, I think it was either like probably yesterday or today. Um, there wasn't a report on, him saying obviously who the coach is because that came out legal issues whatever. Um, there is a 
sort of a, a clause that you have to apply for a waiver for that uh, to not have to follow that seven day guideline if it um, impedes the function of the business. Um, so it should be pretty easy for them to acquire that waiver to bypass that seven day. Um, and, and Ward said in the team meeting that he expects to announce uh, the head coach uh, by the weekend. So we should be hearing very, very soon. Um, and so, so I, like the business is college football, the businesses, the players, the transfers, um, it will be very easy for them to get that waiver. <clears throat> so that's what's going to happen. Um, it's probably going to be Ward, especially if they're looking to make a decision by the weekend. It will be. I don't see any world that it's not Ward. Or, sorry, uh, Sharon Moore. Um, so it's going to be Moore. Uh, and I'm fine with it. I think it's good as far as retaining players. I mean, every coach we've seen leave lately when there's been a vacancy and they've hired from outside of the locker room, um, outside of the building, it it's led to a lot of transfers. Um most recently, uh, Alabama, Washington, Arizona, um, but Texas A&M. Um, but when you look at Notre Dame, when Brian Kelly left, they hired from within Marcus Freeman. He retained a lot of the guys. There was very minimal transfers. So I think if you do it that way, Sharon Moore has a lot of respect in that locker room. So, um, <coughs> so, so yeah, I think it. Um, I think that's the, the right move as far as retaining players. Um, I've heard Brian Kelly floated around a little bit. Um, I think that's incredibly unlikely. But if we somehow go away from Sharon Moore, um, that's pretty much the only realistic name that I'm okay with. Um, but I, I think it's going to be Sharon Moore. I think that would be great as far as retaining players. Um, he will be born on third base. So it's, it's all on him to not act like he hit a triple and to just go to, go to work. Uh, cause he will, he'll, he'll be the guy. I mean, Ryan day experienced that he, he took over a elite program and he's had a ton of success. Um, but you gotta beat your rival. So he has to maintain the beating, um, Ohio state. He has to, when he takes over, he has to maintain, uh, sort of the level that and the expectation that Jim Harbaugh has created. And so, um, so there he will be will be judged uh, accordingly, um, and that's just that's just the way it is when you follow a legend. Um, but yeah, a little on Jim Harbaugh. He he's the greatest Michigan head coach of all time. Bo Schembechler never won a natty. Uh, he he was as far as a legend that was created around Bo. He's great, um, but. Jim Harbaugh took us to new heights, set records as far as wins in a season, um, a perfect undefeated national championship. Um, he, he, I think Jim Harbaugh is the best coach that Michigan has ever had. Um, he's the most just Michigan man that Michigan has ever had. Um, just the player to the head coach, he was the savior of that program. Um, and every Michigan fan is eternally grateful to him. No one is mad. If you look at anything on social media, it's all, um, all gratitude towards what he was able to do for Michigan and resurrect us from, from the depths, uh, of college football. Um, so, so all love for Jim, wish him nothing but the best. And you know what, if he had to go to any team, I'm a Chargers fan. So, Obviously, Lions first, but if you had to go to any team, I'm happy as Chargers. I'll continue, uh, just make it that much easier for me to continue to cheer for him uh, and, and root for him. So, happy as the Chargers. My preference was that he stayed at Michigan, but um, 
he wants to go win that Super Bowl, and I hope he does. And yeah, I'll, I'll reverence when I when we say Jim Harbaugh's name, and 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 I love him. But uh, it's time to look look to the future with this Michigan program. Yeah, and I think great example with Notre Dame because in a way that's that's a very similar type hire in my opinion like this. Now Brian Kelly is no Jim Harbaugh, so you can't. I'm not comparing those two, but young. Uh, up and coming coach, you hire him to come in. Uh, he's been there more. He's been there two years at uh, Notre Dame now, and you just kind of, I don't know. You kind of wonder. I think it's realistic that Michigan will. Michigan's not going undefeated next year. I'll, I mean, I'm, I'm just gonna say that. I, I mean, obviously, I don't know, but there, there's gonna be a little bit of a drop off. I think. Clip that for later, Aiden. <laughs> Clip that for later. Yeah, we no, absolutely, that can be clipped. I totally agree, but I think. It's Michigan has a lot of roster turnover from the top end that they're going to have to replace. It's going to be Sharon Moore. Like he probably long-term is going to be a great person for Michigan. But I, I do know that Michigan fans are probably going to expect exactly what they had with Harbaugh. And that's going to be a harder thing for him to live up to because like you said, he did get, it is the Ryan Day comparison. They both were coordinators under the legends of their uh, head coaches they took over for. And obviously this is all hypothetical because he's not the head coach yet, but Cole and I anticipate he will be the head coach. But it'll be interesting. It's a new era of football. We talk about it a lot on this podcast. It's a lot harder to win now. Um, you you looked at it. I was, I was listening to something that said those bottom of like the conference programs, which is not Michigan at all. And this is just, I'm just kind of just giving a nugget into what college football is going to become. Well, you're, you're a coach that wins six games. Well, a six game winning uh, record last year is just going to look a lot different going forward. And it's, it's a lot harder to win your conference now, especially the big 10. I mean, you just look at who they're bringing in. They're bringing in Oregon. They're bringing in Washington, which will look different. I think Washington still going to be a pretty good team. And then you bring in, obviously, the 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 flash of USC and UCLA. It's, it's a different age of football, and it is. It's you're seeing the NIL stuff, Cole. I mean, I that's, Ohio State is probably at the forefront of it right now. And if I would have told you that uh, a month ago that Ohio State would be all in on NIL. I would have told you you're crazy, but they are motivated by losing to Michigan three straight years. They don't want to happen. They don't want to have any excuse for that happening again. And there, there was none the last three years. They were just not the better football team, but they go out and they get Caleb Downs, the best player in the transfer portal. This kid's a stud. They go and get uh, Julian Sayan, who's a they that five quarterbacks on their roster right now. It's it's turning into. Hey, you got to figure it out. Like, if you beat this guy out, well, then the other guy's going to transfer. It's just, it's a different age of football. I think Cheryl Moore is the guy for Michigan. And I'm not just saying that as a Ohio State and Michigan State fan. I just think he deserves it. I think he stepped into a lot of shoes that he probably didn't anticipate when he was the offensive coordinator at Michigan. I mean, he was, he had to coach them through huge games this year. Obviously, Ohio State and Penn State. Um, and I think the guy deserves a job. He's, what is he? He's late thirties. I don't think he's in his forties. So he's the type of guy that you can, you can build a foundation with and build off of the foundation that Harbaugh created, but kind of put a spin on it of his. I do think the one tough thing is it sounds like 
Jesse Minter and Jay, Jay Harbaugh. I know I don't think there's much like love for Michigan. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. I didn't think many fans were in love with Jay Harbaugh, but Jesse Minter is a heck of a defensive coordinator. And a lot of the rumors do sound like those two will follow uh, Jim Harbaugh, but that's all speculative right now. But that, I think that would be a tough loss because Minter – is Minter has had some unbelievable defenses the last few years. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh is definitely going to take Minter with him, or at least do all that he can to take Minter with him. Um, he, I mean, Jesse Minter is unreal. Uh, I mean, he has been an elite, elite defensive coordinator. I mean, I mean the way they played against Washington, to Bama, Ohio State, um, they have been incredible the last two years under him. Um, and yeah, so he's he's ready for that NFL jump too. I think uh, just like Mike McDonald was when he went to Baltimore. Now they have one of the toughest defenses to play against. So um, I mean, he he deserves to go anyway. Um, so Sharon Moore is going to have to fight to keep some guys. Um, as once again, assuming he's uh, announced as the head coach. But um, the one guy that I think is most important from Michigan to keep is Ben Herbert, our uh, strength and conditioning coach. He is the guy who has really um, turned around the culture and given Michigan an edge and a toughness in the way that they prepare in the gym. Um, you have to like really follow Michigan to, to see all that, but the videos and, and the way he uh, teaches them and trains them, not just physically, but mentally, um, he is incredible at what he does. The, I would say the best in the business, and it's a big reason for Michigan's turnaround over the last three years, and every player will say that too. I've never heard one bad thing about him. He is an incredible strength and conditioning coach physically and mentally. So, And that's so important to a college culture where they're relying on a guy and creating that really – they see this coach more than any other coach, really, because they are in that gym every single day. So he is so important for them to retain um, – because that is a guy that they're all close with. That is a guy that they trust their bodies with and they trust their development to. Um, so he is the big, uh, the big one that Sharon Moore needs to fight and do all I can to keep. Um, so it's, there's going to be a lot of new faces on that staff, but um, yeah, I, I have faith and you know what? We won a national championship last year. So it's, uh, it's, it's fine. Like it's, if it's, if it's a bump in the road, it's okay. It's worth it because we, we achieved the ultimate goal. I wish full success. I hope we do it again. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be tough, especially, I mean, Sharon Morris handed the keys um, with incredible traffic ahead um, as, as we have. We, Michigan has Texas, um, Oregon, USC, Washington, and Ohio State. We'll see what Washington's like next year, but it is an incredibly tough schedule um, that Michigan will be going through next year. So Sharon Moore is going to kind of be thrown in the fire. Luckily, he had experience already coaching in big games, but um, it'll be very interesting to see. It's a new era, um, and honestly, I, I, I hope it, it's a smooth transition, and, and he is what he's proven himself to be in the big games. Yeah, I mean, talk about a first year. Like, that is... That's insane. Like, and to think that four of those are conference games is just crazy to think about in this day and age of football. So let's go to basketball, Cole. So we are less than eight weeks away from my one of my favorite days of the year, and that's Selection Sunday. Seeing the bracket uh, is literally one of my favorite things to watch on TV, and then not even to mention the actual games that you get to see. And speaking of that, We'll have some live content. I'm going to the first and second round of the tournament, Indianapolis. Um, you're probably going to – I'll probably get to see Purdue for sure, K 
Kentucky's probably going to be there just based on seeding profitability. So some pretty big programs, some fun games, but we'll definitely keep you updated on that. But eight weeks away from Selection Sunday, and I'll be honest, there's not a favorite. We talked about this last week. I don't know who is the favorite in college basketball, and that's that's a good thing. I like going into March with an already hectic March Madness that we get regardless of what the tiers of teams are. But we really got a lot of stuff that we do not know is like we have no clue what's going to happen come March. And that is the greatest thing as a college basketball fan. I kind of want to do a look ahead to the weekend. We're recording this Thursday, January 25th. Uh, Not crazy level of games this weekend, but some really good games to keep an eye on. I want to start off with Michigan State. So Michigan State has had a really weird year. Um, Cole and I obviously came on this podcast before the year and both said that this is a legitimate national championship team. And to be honest with you, I am still on that. I still believe that. They are starting to show signs of late of uh, a team that has taken the next step. Um, they dealt, they got dealt a, when they lost Jeremy Fears, they lost him at a bad time because they were starting to kind of click together as a team. They lost Jeremy Fears, so they've had to shuffle the bench depth. It's been a little weird, but four and four in the Big Ten, that puts you in basically second to third place in the Big 12, It's or in the Big Ten. It's a, it's a weird conference. You have uh, Wisconsin at the top, seven and one, Purdue seven and two, and then you have a lot of teams that are five and three, five and four, four and four. Well, Michigan State has a great opportunity. You guys are going to be listening to this, and the game is tonight, technically, if you're listening to this on Friday. But Michigan State goes on the road to play Wisconsin. We lost to Wisconsin early December in the Breslin Center. Uh, that was a weird game. I was at it. Malik Hall had the flu. He was absolutely horrible. Like was just They weren't their team that night, but they're going on the road to a very hard place to win. It's kind of interesting. States won the last three in Madison. Wisconsin's won the last three in East Lansing. So it's a little reverse split for that series. So that's a big game to kick off the week. It's really our only game on Friday night, but big one for Michigan State. If they can get this one, realistically, they next week have two home games, two winnable games. They get Michigan Tuesday night. Um, I... Michigan's very unpredictable. Like, who knows what they can do? Um, but it's a very winnable game. It's a, yeah, it's a very winnable, very winnable game. <laughs> game. Uh, it helps not having Doug McDaniel on the road um, for Michigan. Well, I don't. I think he's not. He's always banned from road games. But the main reason he's banned is to stay at home and work. But if he or and work on his schoolwork. But if he's an hour down the road, I, I, he won't be able to play. So I know that's out. But it kind of makes no sense because nothing this team does makes any sense and. That's they're they're not good, and that's that's the extent of what we're going to talk about Michigan. It's today. funny because it's like Michigan football, obviously the top, and then we got Michigan basketball at the very bottom. It's kind of funny because Michigan, or like if you think about Michigan professional sports right now, you got the Lions who are rolling at the top, and you got the Pistons who are one of the worst teams in NBA history. So it's kind of it's kind of funny for the state of Michigan right now, and but. It, it flipped uh, as far as Michigan and Michigan State used to be the the uh, Michigan State's not gone, but um, they're not what we thought they would be. I mean, if my my belief was that 
I would say 90 to 95% on this team uh, at the beginning of the year for Michigan State. And now it's probably down to 10% that they'll get it done. Um, and I'm not mad that that's a steep grease as a, as a Michigan fan, but I mean, Michigan is also horrible. And, and Michigan and Michigan State carried the Big Ten for a long time and carried my fandom as a Michigan fan because football was so bad. And th- they those two, Michigan and Michigan State, were the teams that were really the only ones you could rely on in the, in the tournament for the, for the Big Ten. They were the ones that were constantly going far. Michigan and Michigan State were both in like top five or top ten over the last 15 years uh, as far as wins in the tournament goes. Um, and it's just it's just a down year. Um, and and yeah, I'm not I'm not mad that Michigan State isn't uh, at its full potential that I thought they would be. Um, and I'm lucky that I have Detroit Lions and Michigan football to ease the pain of Michigan basketball. Yeah, and it's funny because Mich- so Michigan State's 12 and seven as of today, but all the metrics. So there's this there's this stat that Ken Palm does. So Ken Palm is a basketball analytics. They do literally everything. As someone that worked for a college basketball team, we looked at it a lot. It does. I mean, I don't want to bore people, but it does every single stat. Like you can find everything and. It's interesting because Michigan State, there's this stat, I believe, if you're top 20 in offensive and defensive efficiency um, by, like, I think Christmas time, if you're one of the top 20 teams, that means, like, the last 10 to 15 years, that team has won, one of those teams has won a national championship. And Michigan State is one of those teams. And all the metrics have Michigan state as a very good team, like an elite team, actually, quite honestly, like the net ranking, which factors in everything. They're number 20 in the country. So it's a weird thing. It's, I don't, I don't touch the net personally. Don't touch the net. net. But Ken Palm, Ken Palm has, has Michigan state ranked higher than, than the net does. And I trust Ken Palm a lot more. Yeah. The net, the net has weird things. Like if you beat a team by 15 or four or versus 14, you get an extra bump. I agree. That's, but unfortunately, the NCAA does look at that. So from like a seeding standpoint, that's kind of what I was piggybacking off of. But State grades out really well. State has a very good team. They're just, they've, there's been some games that they've lost that if they, I think, played now, they would win. And that's the good thing, though, because as you go along in the season, you want to see progress. And they have a lot of progress. Trey Holloman off the bench is making a massive impact for Michigan State. And they really have six guys I'm very confident in. And that's that's a good thing come March. So who knows on that? But the big game for them Friday night against Wisconsin. You go into Saturday. Saturday we have a lot of good Big Twelve games, and Big Twelve and Big East are kind of Cole and I have mentioned it. Those are the best conferences to watch. You just are always going to get a really good game. And you look at you look at just Saturday, and Kansas goes at Iowa State. Iowa State is one of the hardest places to go win a game at uh, Hilton. Uh, it's called the Hilton Coliseum. It is the, one of the top places to go play if you just want to go watch a game, but also you have an amazing home court advantage. One of the guys I worked with at Western Michigan, he was a manager at Iowa State, and it's insane. It is a they love. There's nothing in Ames, Iowa, at all. They got this. They have Iowa State basketball, and they got a good team this year. They 15 and four. They, they're the type of team, and they've really been this way, if you think about it, for a while now. Like, they had Monte Morris. Um, they've had I, – I could go down the list with guys Iowa State has had the last few years. Um, Monte Morris a little bit in the past. But they're always real balanced. I mean, this team has three guys, double figures a game. 
and TJ Ott, I think it's oh, it's like Ottenberger, Ottenberger, their head coach. He's a very well-respected head coach. And Kansas, Cole, I don't know what's up with Kansas. I just I've watched them a lot. I've actually watched like I think four of their last five games, um, and it's just it's a little off. I don't. Like, they barely beat Cincinnati this week. And Cincinnati's good. They're a good team. They're going to be a tournament team most likely. But I just don't – I don't know. Like, I watched that game. Hunter didn't play good. Kevin McCullers their best player. And you – if you would have told anybody coming into this year for Kansas, they would have said it would have been Dickinson. But Kevin McCullers is playing really good. And then they're starting to get really good performance out of one of their five-star freshmen, Johnny Furphy. He's an Australian. He can shoot it. He can rebound. Um, but they just seem off. And so that game is one I want to pay attention to. It's seven against 23, so it's a top 25 game. I, I think it's going to be a really hard game for Kansas to go in and win. And I think you see Kansas get their second loss uh, in this week because they lost last Saturday to West Virginia. I think it's a tough game for them, Cole. Yeah, Iowa State, like you said, it's an incredible atmosphere. And it's it's, it's that's where that's where good teams go to die. And, and Kansas is the weird team where – they have two guys that I would say are in the conversation for National Player of the Year. They're not. I mean, Zach Eady's going to win it again. Um, but if you had to throw in a pool of players, I think uh, Kevin McCuller Jr. and Hunter Dickinson are at least in the conversation. You have, and like you rarely get two guys. They'll be they'll be first team. Um, uh, they'll they'll be all American first team all Americans. I think, but um, they 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 just don't have they don't have depth. I think there's there's guys that. Um, whether they're transfers or um, or just recruits that that you know they just didn't pan out enough to give Kansas the depth that um, makes you a dominant team and depth matters a lot in college basketball. You need to be able to uh, sub guys in and out. I mean, you have what is it? you have four guys averaging um, over thirty two minutes a game. Like that is incredible like that is that's that's it's hard to sustain uh you're gonna it's it's a long season hard games especially when you're in the big uh the big 12 and i i think that's kansas's problem um and i think it's we could see um another game i guess where you're going on the road to iowa state where attrition kind of kind of rears its ugly head again for them because they they don't have a lot of depth um but they also just they have the dudes they have they have, like I said, two two guys that I would say are firmly in the conversation. I mean, KJ Adams is also very good. Um, Furphy, like you said, is coming on, and I mean they have an experienced guard uh, in Dewan Harris. I think I said his first name right. Um, and he, like he, I mean you, he, he's he's been on that been in that squad and uh, very recognizable player. And he, like, uh, yeah, it's it's they have they have the guy. This kind of reminds me a little bit of that Duke team. I think it was 2016 or 17 with with uh, Trey Trey Jones or Tyus Jones and um, Justice Winslow and I think Okafor yeah. was on that team. Yeah, and because that, that team was did not have a lot of depth either. Um, they got hot in the tournament, and made a run, and, and Kansas could. I don't I don't I don't see it with their lack of depth because I think depth is important. That Duke team's an outlier, but yeah, it, it, it's it's a weird team to watch because. You definitely see these guys kind of their their stars kind of burning out a little bit. Yeah, and I looked I looked just up and down right now for the Big Twelve on Saturday, and I would be saying I'll probably be watching four or no probably five of these seven games on Saturday. And it's just that that conference is so 
it's just every game. Like I feel like the Big Ten's that way too. Like I I don't care who Michigan State plays. I'm gonna be nervous about the game because first of all, basketball it's a lot harder to win. I think, but and just like consistently because you play so many games. But like Kansas State, Houston at twelve. Well, Houston is one of like the tougher teams to play. But Kansas State, Jerome Tang. This is a guy that has had. I mean, he's had some very good success quickly at Kansas State. That's a fun game. You you go down. You go to the next one. Texas Tech. Oklahoma, that's a top 20 game. Texas Tech's in first place right now in the Big 12. I think they're preseason picked seventh or eighth, um, which is just speaks to the coaching ability there. Obviously, they moved on from Mark Adams. You go to the next game. It's Texas-BYU. Well, BYU's ranked. Texas actually is coming off two straight wins. They look like they are starting to finally click a little bit. They beat Baylor last week at home, and then they won on the road convincingly this week against Oklahoma. And that's a team to keep an eye on for March. They're probably going to be pretty underseeded. Like that team might be a seven, maybe even an eight, just based on them not being ranked right now and all of those factors. But that's a, that is not a team. If you are a seven or an eight, that a one or two seat is going to want to play at all. I mean, this is a team that has Max Amos, who we know from Oral Roberts a few years ago, he beat Ohio state. I know all about that. And they're, that's a good team. And I go to the next game, TCU-Baylor. Both of these teams, we're going to see them in March. So you keep going down the list. This is a conference that realistically is probably going to get eight, maybe nine teams in the conference, and they deserve it because every game means so much. Like the one game, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, they're probably both not making the NCAA tournament. Actually, I'm not going to say probably. They are not going to make the NCAA tournament. Unless, West Virginia is one of the worst yeah. teams in power. But last week they beat Kansas at home. It's just one of those things. It's like it's crazy. And you, the UCF, Cincinnati, Cincinnati's been pretty good this year, especially at home. UCF. I mean, they've beat Texas this year. They've beat. Uh, uh, That's a bad loss. Yeah, for Texas. That was a bad loss. That, that UC, UCF at home. What is it? Eight, a seventeen point comeback with like the last three minutes. Yeah, but no UCF. I mean, they haven't been bad like as a whole. Correct. It is a bad loss, but. It's a tough conference. You've you got to pack your – you have to strap in for a tough game, when you go, especially when you go on the road, but definitely at home too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is it is a very fun conference. Every game is going to be uh, entertaining. And I, I, I mean, I, Houston, I, I have a, like a short list, I would say, of teams that I think are – that I, I'm, I would put at this point in the season that I would put in my national championship kind of bubble – um, a, a short list, a few teams that, that I, I think have the, the DNA to, to, to make a run. Uh, and Houston is, is, don't, don't give is, it is away. There. Don't give it away. Cause that's, that's for next week when we give okay. our team. Okay. You know? Well, uh, spoiler, one of the teams in the Houston, Kansas state game might be in the bubble. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you can give and, one away and it's going to be like, they're, they're, they're a solid, like they're Ken Palm loves Houston. Um, they beat every team by 20. They haven't played an amazing schedule, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's Texas tech. That's a fun home crowd. And the thing is a, a lot of these big 12 schools have a great home crowd. And that's what makes it so tough is you're seeing all these teams have to go on the road in an incredibly hostile environment. Um, and you're just going to see, you're going to see top teams lose. You're going to see top teams lose this year. Just like in the big East, you're like, UConn uh, almost lost to Villanova. Teams are going to lose on the road. Um, that's just that's just the way college basketball works. 
Um, and it's 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 not easy, not easy at all. I think it was uh, Auburn was at Alabama, uh, I think last night, two nights ago, and that was another one where I think Auburn's definitely the better team than Bama. But Bama's a very formidable opponent. The SEC is sneaky good too, as far as as far as the depth in the middle of their conference. Um, not quite as top heavy, um, but you're, it's just tough to win on the road, no matter who you are. Um, and that's why every game is so much fun. Uh, unless the better team is at home. I think those, that's kind of when you see a little more boring games, but when the team that is, that you think is, is better is on the road against a, still a pretty solid team. Um, you're in for a good one. And it's, it's, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of, of data to back, back that up. I'm just telling you what my eyes are seeing when I'm watching games. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. And there's nothing like big East crowds too. uh, switching over to that. I, I, it's, it's so fun to see schools that have literally nothing in, in football and the way they show out and the way their fans are so passionate and the way they are literally just dominant in basketball. One of in this, the, the probably in my opinion, the second best conference in, in college basketball, um, it's, it is, it is, it's, it's, it's so unique and it's what makes college basketball so special. There's so many more teams and you have a conference like the big East that has no, they're not huge schools who are very good. Yeah. I love that. Great point. College basketball in the big East is so much fun. And also another conference I've been following a lot that isn't as popular, but it is for college basketball fans. The a 10 is a blast. The a 10 is a conference. Just like Cole mentioned, they don't, they have football, but it's FCS. It's not, uh, it's not big time football. And some of these schools don't even have football, but like Villanova has a football team. It's just, it's irrelevant, but it's so much fun to go to those games. Like I've gotten to go to some Dayton games. I get to go to another one this year. It's just, there's 14,000 fans there and their only focus is basketball at that school. And it's, it's really fun to see in the big East is no different. The big East has some good games called this weekend. Uh, I mean, you look at just the home court advantages in the big East, like, a lot of these games are played at NBA arenas, and those students come and pack those arenas, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, Providence is like it's like Providence is seeing Hall. They don't lose at home often. Like, there's so many teams that are just they're average teams that are just the the home environment's crazy. Uh, but the A time, I agree. A time is, is very fun. I George Mason, great team. But let's talk about a game on Saturday that I think is an incredible game as far as A-10 standards goes. You got two 6-0 teams, Dayton at Richmond. Uh, I think I would I would be fully on Dayton if Dayton was on the was on was at, at home. But going going to Richmond, Richmond's a very solid team. They're a team that makes me uh, quite a bit of money. Um, and I, I mean this is this is a sneaky if you just love college basketball and love ball, this is a that's a sneaky, very good game on Saturday that that deserves a little more love because these are two teams that are fighting for to win they're top of the conference, both six and fighting to stay perfect in the A ten and, and win their conference. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that's definitely a game to watch. And, and yeah, I mean, team teams like VCU, UMass is is a very formidable opponent. There's 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 very sneaky good teams um, in that conference, and it's it's very fun to watch. Well, so and, that's a great call. And the funny thing is, even coming into the A ten, and like I said, I've kind of been following it a lot more because I'll be honest, I watch every single Dayton game because it's fun. My niece is a cheerleader on the team, but they're a good basketball team. Like Deron Holmes, he is a guy that I guarantee you, Cole, most people have never heard of Deron Holmes. When he they're in the NCAA tournament, and I'm speaking that into existence because I think they're going to be an at-large, even if they don't win their conference. 
Um, that is a team with Deron Holmes. They have really good, good guard play with Kobe Elvis and Javon Bennett. They're a great team. Like they are, they were a team last year that was really good. They had they had uh, Tumani Kamara and Deron Holmes down low. It was the best front court hands down in that conference. And they just missed out, lost in the title game to VCU. But this year we have more depth in the conference. And Loyola Chicago. This is a team that was they were uh, at the ultimate like heights in the last five years well they've been in the a10 now for two years and they sucked last year they were bottom of the league blowout 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 drew valentine's got them rolling at a lot better clip than they were last year and those are tough teams to play but all i know i love college basketball saturdays because i don't know if i love them as much as college football saturdays because there's something about good weather and football that you usually get basketball it's right now it's crappy it's cold but you can watch all day. They're shorter games, so you can watch a little. Your frequency can be more. You can watch 12 to 2, 2 to 4, 4 to 6, 6 to 8, and you by 8 o'clock, you've watched four games. And I really encourage people to watch because we have some good games this weekend, Cole. Yeah, yeah, and and, and since we're kind of on, you know, talking about some underrated conferences here, I just want to throw a few more out there, especially with the way the landscape uh, is just changing as far as transfers, NIL. It, it, does, it definitely seems like the playing field is evening out. There's less depth on teams and there there's just a lot more. It seems like good players and it seems balanced out. So um, there's a lot of other conferences that are, that are, are pretty good. So, I mean, the mountain West, you have Utah state, Boise state, New Mexico, San Diego state final four team last year. I still think they're going to find a way and they're going to be, they're going to be fine. They're not ranked right now, but Wyoming, Colorado state, like these are Nevada. Like these are all, very solid teams. UNLV is even a sneaky team. And that's, I just named like the top half of the conference or, or more than that right now. Um, it is it, that, I mean, the mountain West is, is a conference that is going to be fun to see uh, how that race uh, goes on for the last, let's say what, eight weeks of the season. And that's going to be a very fun race to watch. And, and the last one is the, uh, why can't I think uh, the WCC where we got, uh, we got Gonzaga who is, it was down, but St. Mary's, San Francisco, Gonzaga, those, I would say those are the three teams. Like it's before it was just Gonzaga running through. And I think St. Mary's and, and San Francisco are both very good teams. We actually have a San Francisco and Gonzaga matchup. I think that might be uh, Thursday, which is tonight. Um, so by this time it'll have already happened, but um, yeah, that's, that's at seven o'clock uh, uh, mountain standard time tonight. But that is, that's another great game. I mean, there's, there's, Talent is so spread out across the country that there's there's a like you're gonna get really good basketball across the board, um, and it, it's it's really not like it's ever been. I would say at least in recent memory where you really just kind of watch it was it was really the ACC, you know, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, and and then the Big East at times. Um, but it, it's it's really changed SEC as well at times. But it was really you'd watch the big conferences, the Power Six, and then that was it. But it is the landscape has completely changed, and, and there are always good games on. And it doesn't; it's kind of different than what college football is. It definitely does not have to be a, a ranked versus ranked matchup to be good. If you if you kind of know the ball and watch the teams, you, it, there are always great games on. Um, there will always be very high value games on, and it is it is a great time to be a college basketball fan. Yeah, and you didn't even mention the Missouri Valley, and that's every single year the Missouri Valley has teams that make upsets in March, Indiana state. I mean, they, 
they played Michigan State and it went wire to wire. And that's like n- no disrespect to Michigan State because Indiana State is a, I think like net ranking their top 25. They're good. Like they have all all facets you need to pull off upsets in March. Drake is really good. And I mean, from top to bottom, we just have so much talent. And I think that's the one benefit of the portal. I think it spread talent around to a lot of these mid-majors because what happens is a lot of high recruited kids go to a Big Ten, a Big East, uh, ACC, Pac-12, SEC, uh, Big 12, and then they they maybe don't do what they want to and then they transfer down. But in basketball, you can transfer down to a mid-major like this and you get as you don't get the same recognition, but you you're able to like exceed and blow up because you're you're playing against these teams every week. And it's it's really interesting. Like you look at Dalton Kinnett, he's probably gonna be a first team All American right now. He was at Northern Colorado and he averages almost the same amount of points stepping up major levels to Tennessee. And it's just you're seeing more of these stories like Max Amos from Oral Roberts. He transfers to Texas. He's averaging eighteen at Texas. So College basketball, I think, is in a good spot with the portal. I think it's a lot different than college football because you can use it differently because there's so many more teams. But all in all, Cole, I'm excited for this stretch we're about to begin. Uh, Cole and I are going to step it up a bit. We've kind of been, we had that, we're in the hangover phase of college football. We're still sprinkling, you know, the college football in there, but we're ready for college basketball. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a great time. It's really time to time to turn on the Jets and. And, and dive into it um gotta you know it's the time you gotta you gotta figure it out this is when you you do your training you gotta know ball for when the brackets come out because i mean there will be a uh i mean there's gonna be another group and it's the group i guarantee will be bigger uh with a lot more money to be made um and you know what it's there's so many teams that can win it i mean we'll i will talk about it in the next episode but it is it is a it's it's just a great time it's a it's a great time to be a fan and, and you do your work now. You 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 don't wait till March. Don't be a casual. Don't wait till March. You start training now so you're ready. Uh when you get that paper in your hand, you get to see it. You get to get to get that pen out, get your highlighter out, however you do it. Um, I mean it is there's nothing like having a bracket in your hands and, and it is it is this right now is when we do the work, right now is when we watch the ball, um, so we can prepare to be successful come March. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now, the bracket can be very unpredictable, but if you do your research and you start kind of following what teams are good at, what they're bad at, you can, you can win some money in March and you can win some bracket groups. I, I don't like to brag, but I have had a pretty good stretch the last few years, uh, in bracket groups winning and winning some good money just because there's trends. I watch a lot of college basketball. You're going to watch a lot of college basketball, and you're going to learn some stuff from Cole and I because we know what we're doing. And I know it's an unpredictable tournament, but you can still get Yeah, Jeff's actually under investigation currently because uh, he was working for a Division One basketball team at the time. So that's... Uh, that's like insider trading, I think. And so, so he's currently under investigation for those wins. Oh, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. I'm not allowed to sports bet when I was with Western Michigan. I didn't do that, but I, I did do bracket pools, but, um, I, I probably, a lot of coaches do bracket pools. So I can probably say that no no one on Western Michigan staff, especially no current coach working, but, uh, no, this will wrap up our, uh, weekly episode of degree in sports. 
We got a lot of info tonight, a lot of talk about Harbaugh and what that means for Michigan, but also where we're at with college basketball, some games to watch, some teams to watch, some conferences to watch. And basically, the key word in that last two sentences was, you got to watch. So watch college hoops this weekend, and we'll see you next week for another episode of The Green Sports.